Blog Talk Radio.
All right, well, welcome back to another edition of Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. I'll be your host tonight. Just surrendering our lives to Jesus. You know, I surrender all. That's what that song's about, surrendering it, giving it up to the Lord, laying things down, and giving your whole self unto God. That's what he's looking for. As I mentioned before, this is Prayer International Radio. You can check us out on the web, www.prayerinternational.org. Or you can check us out on YouTube, Ustream, blogger.com, Facebook. We're all over the place. So feel free to connect in with us however the Lord leads. And if you need prayer, you can email us at prayer at prayerinternational.org. We also have a prayer request section on our website, so feel free to go to that if you need to. Uh, chat room is not open tonight unless uh, my buddy Sean Holmberg has opened it up. Um, I have no chat room controls from here tonight, so if uh, that is a deterrent for you, sorry about that. Uh, otherwise, you can listen and just pray. If you need to call in, the call in number is 619-638-8458. Call in and listen. Um, if we have the ability, we, we may click over and uh, bring you into the show. Well, let's start off. Let's just give the Lord some praise. Let's give him some prayer. And let's lift up our voices to the Lord. You know, Psalm 63, David said, Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. David had an unquenchable thirst for God, and the only thing that would satisfy him was the water of the Spirit of God, was the water of the Holy Spirit, God's love. He says, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. I'm in a dry and thirsty, weary land. There's no water here, God. I'm seeking after you. My soul is longing. Sometimes we get to that place where our soul is they're just longing, 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 thirsting, hungering for God. Or nothing else will satisfy, nothing else will fulfill us. We can go in circles in this life, trying to find something. And many times we leave empty-handed, or what we call the short end of the stick. In other words, we didn't get what we expected to get, and things didn't work out the way we wanted them to. There was something that reminded David, something that reminded David about this was when he said in verse 2, to see your power and your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. See, he he saw God in the temple. He saw God in the sanctuary. He saw God's power displayed among the people, among his family, in his own life. And you know, if we're going to have a confidence and an ever-increasing faith towards God, We've got to experience his power. We've got to experience his glory. We've got to see him. The Bible says by beholding him, we're changed. Do you want to change? Well, then behold Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Set your eyes upon him. 
Psalm 63.3, I'll continue. It says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. See, he had a revelation. He knew God's love, which is what we were talking about a little bit last week or a couple nights ago. God's loving kindness. It says, better than life. There's nothing in life that's compared to it. And because it's better than life, I'm going to praise you. My lips are going to bless you. Verse 4, thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. See, there's something about a relationship with Christ that will make you want to lift up your hands. It'll make you want to bless him. It'll make you want to praise him. It'll make you want to thirst and hunger for him as soon as you get a glimpse. As soon as you get a little touch, it'll be changed. Verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. Some versions say abundance and riches. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. Do you meditate on God in the night watches, morning, noon, and night? When you're in bed, or when you're on your job, or you're in your household, do you meditate on God? Verse 7. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul follows hard after thee. Thy right hand upholds me. Verse 9. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go down into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Listen, you can rejoice if you're God. You can rejoice if you're giving glory and honor to his name. David said, my soul follows hard after you. Some versions say, my soul clings to you like glue. The word there in Hebrew is zibak, follow hard after. It's it's like a, it's like super glue. It's like an adhesive. It's being stuck to something and not being able to remove yourself from it. That's how God wants us to be towards him. Or so stuck on God. Do you remember that movie stuck on you? Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. Maybe that just offended you that I even brought it up. But you know what? It was about these two brothers, and they were like Siamese twins, okay? They they were born uh, together. And everything they did, they had to do together. When one went one, one way, the other was right there because they were stuck. They were Siamese twins That's from birth. And see, when you get born again, when you have a spiritual birth in your life, something happens, God gets stuck on you. And ultimately, theoretically, spiritually speaking, you get stuck on God. Now, you may not be there in your mindset, but you are heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit. But David said, look, I cling to you like glue, Lord. I'm fixed. I'm adhered to I'm fastened to. It was in, in, irremovable 
unremovable kind of thing. He says, my soul follows hard after you. So are you following hard after God? Praise God. Are you remembering him and meditating on him in the night watches? So I wanted to talk about the armor of God tonight a little bit. And I'm going to kind of be in a teaching mode. Sometimes I'm in a preaching mode or just a sharing mode or a talking mode or a praying mode. Tonight I just want to teach a little bit, just to share the central truths of Scripture that make up the spiritual defenses. So we have spiritual defenses. God refers to it as the armor of light or the armor of God. And the central truths of Scripture make this up. So it says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 11, and we'll go into part of Ephesians 6 uh, in this teaching. But talking about the armor of God, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I want you to think about that. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not your own strength. Not your neighbor's strength. God's strength. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the laws of the devil. Now, the armor is something that we put on. The armor is something we dress ourselves with clothe ourselves with, cover ourselves with. And just like you have to put your clothes on every morning, putting on the armor is a lot similar. But it's not some spiritual jumpsuit that we actually go through the motions of putting on every day. Honestly, um, to be quite frankly, if you've reduced the armor of God to just some little ditty that you do every day where you pretend to put clothes on and you call it pieces of the armor and now you're suited up and ready to go to battle, listen, what this is talking about is the character, the character weapons. You know, the character, the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit are weapons against the enemy. They're also a spiritual defense against his attacks. And so this is about building godly character and exemplifying godly character in your life and being yielded to the Holy Spirit where these character traits come out of your life and bear the fruit of protection, bear the fruit of cover when it covers you during opposition. And you know, if you ask most believers what they'd like to know, Most of them would say, hey, I want to learn how to get get free from my temptation or stand against temptation or stand against 
the attacks of the enemy. I want to get strong so I don't keep falling in the same areas I fell in. And most of our problems stem from our inability to say no to certain temptations. For many of us, we have an inability to deny our flesh or to stand up against the enemy's devices or schemes. Now, we do it in the Lord's strength. We do it by his spirit. It's not something that we do on our own. But he enables us to do it by his spirit. The verses that I quoted, as well as the ones that are going to follow, the Apostle Paul kind of gives us a formula for success when facing temptation. In essence, he's giving us a promise, and you could probably paraphrase it like this. If you put on the full armor of God, you will be able to stand. And the reverse of that truth as well is if you don't put it on, you will fall. And the devil's very good at what he does. He does not go about his work haphazardly, impartially. He he actually has a very strategic plan. He's got a scheme. The Apostle Paul refers to the enemy's strategy as wiles. See, he's got a design plan of attack against each of us. And his attacks are specific, they're direct, they're relentless, they're unforgiving. They're always perfectly timed to realize that. See, there's there's strategy in war. There's strategy in warfare. And our enemy sometimes is about timing. Our enemy sometimes is about being specific, being direct, being relentless. Tailor-made for us. And more often than we'd like to admit, his attacks are very successful. On the other hand, our defenses are generally sloppy. A little prayer here, a little prayer there, a little bit of Bible reading. Usually you just feel good about yourself because you you did your deal for the day. You read your three and a half chapters and you prayed for your hour. And you kind of go through the motions and, and just enough to feel Religious, just enough to feel spiritual, just enough to feel like you've done your duty. And even though we spend so much time preparing for work and for meals, vacations, school, other activities, when it comes to preparing against the schemes of the devil, we don't put too much time and attention into it. When it comes to preparing ourselves to oppose our enemy, we don't really put enough effort into it. And consequently, we're really defeated most of the time because, or as a result of this, we find ourselves defeated. We find ourselves lacking victory in the Lord. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be defeated. God says you can have a victorious life. He says you can be an overcomer. He says you're more than a conqueror, that no weapon formed or fashioned against you will prosper or stand. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment will be condemned. There's an effective defense. Paul refers to it as the armor of God. But the deal is, is that you have to take time to
to put this armor on. You have to be suited up. You have to clothe yourself in Christ. Shroud yourself in the armor of God. Surround yourself so you can stand against the temptation. Now, the pieces of the armor that Paul refers to in Ephesians kind of mirror those uh, pieces of armor that the Roman soldiers in that day wore. He kind of associated the, the believer's spiritual defenses with the armor of a Roman soldier. And what he does is he kind of gives his audience or he gives his readers an illustration of how spiritual defenses work. He kind of breaks it down in layman's terms. The first piece of armor is a thick leather apron that the Roman soldier would wear around his waist. Now, in the Bible, we're told in Ephesians 6.14, to stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. So we have to understand the truth is our foundation for everything that we're going to do in God. Truth is our foundation for everything that's going to take place. In the things of the Lord. So this first piece of armor is like a leather apron, okay? The Roman soldiers wore it around their waist. It served as a belt as well as it protected their abdominal area. And this was the first piece of armor that the soldier put on. It was kind of like the undergirding you underline it, and you know, just like the the Bible says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Everything that we stand on is truth, so we've got to have this belt of truth. We've got to stand on truth. We've got to be people of truth, and have an understanding of what truth really is if we're going to be founded and grounded in the things of God. So he says, stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth. Truth is the foundation for all the other pieces of the armor. Now think about that. If if you don't have your your belt on, your your apron, your your leather uh, undergarment on, then putting the rest of the armor on does no good because see, there's gaps, there's holes, things don't fit properly. But this truth provides the perspective to successfully face all the trials and the temptations of the day. Everything that the enemy throws at you, you've got to combat it with truth. Every time you've got a situation or a circumstance, you've got to begin to look to the word of the Lord, look to the truth of what God is saying. You know, when the enemy came at Christ in the wilderness, he offered him the kingdoms of the world. He told him, if you're hungry, command these stones to be made bread. He said, why don't you just throw yourself down and if the Lord loves you, he'll give his angels charge of you. He constantly was coming at Jesus with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. One thing that Christ did, one thing that Christ did was he spoke the word, he preached the word, he declared the word to the enemy. And when the enemy would come in, Christ would say, get thee behind me, Satan, this is what the word of God says. When the enemy comes into your life and he begins to whisper in your ear, 
It begins to dangle those carrots in front of you. And it begins to tempt you with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Whatever they may be, whether it be money, whether it be riches, whether it be wealth, whether it be fame, prestige, power, pride, position, whatever it is. Guess what? You need to get the word. Begin to declare the truth. Declare the word of God, not only over yourself, but those around you and remind the enemy, hey, this is what the Lord says. It doesn't matter what you say. What matters is what the Lord has said. And so that truth, the Bible says that God's word is truth. That's going to be our foundation, our most important centerpiece of our defense. If you're going to defend yourself against the attacks of the enemy, it's going to all boil down to how much of the truth is in you. All right, so let's move on. The next piece of the armor. says, put on the belt of truth. And then it says, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate of a Roman soldier was usually made of leather and metal. It protected the chest area and many of the vital organs. The breastplate was marked in such a way that it was designated. uh, They knew which soldier it belonged to. It was specifically designed for a soldier, for each soldier in a battalion. Okay, it's kind of like if you wear your work uniform and you've got your name sewed on it. Okay, it was similar to that. They knew whose was whose. Very important things. They protected the vital organs. And we're to be known for our commitment to righteousness. We're to be known to our commitment to Christ who makes us righteous. The Bible says without holiness, none of us are going to see God. But if you want your vital, the vital things in your life protected, You've got to keep it sanctified. You've got to keep it consecrated. You've got to keep it holy. Whatever is vital and important in your life, consecrated unto God. It will protect you. It's a protection. It's the heartbeat of your Christianity. Now, Paul used the picture of the breastplate of righteousness He could have used it as an admission to guard our affections, keep our emotions under control. And this battle between unrighteousness and righteousness is often about what we know or how we feel or what's going on in our life. It's a constant juggle. It's a constant struggle. The spirit is willing, like we said the other night, but the flesh is weak. And we're told to guard our heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Not harden your heart, but guard your heart. And by guarding your emotions, it'll help you to control your will. It'll help you control your mind. 
It'll help you to move in the direction of righteousness, in the direction that God is calling you to go in. Guarding your heart, hiding the word of God in your heart so that you don't sin against it. So you take that, that truth, that word, the first piece, and then the breastplate, the second piece. Why? Because we hide his word in our heart. We make sure the meditation, the affection of our hearts are centered on him. And next, Paul talks about the the shoes of the gospel of peace, the foot covering. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The foot covering for the Roman soldier was a thick leather sandal wrapped around both the foot and the ankle. Sometimes the bottom was covered with spikes or nails to allow them to keep their footing in, in combat. Kind of like wearing cleats on a baseball field. It helps you get grounded. It helps you you dig your heels in right before a fight. That's where that term comes from. The Roman soldier had things all over their, their shoes that would help them to get a better footing. That way they didn't slip and fall. That way they didn't get knocked down in battle. But the gospel of peace, see, it's the gospel that brings stability in a person's life. It's that relationship with Christ. If you're going to have a firm footing, you've got to dig your heels in and get ready to fight. The shoes of the gospel of peace. And this is associated with your readiness to share the good news wherever you go. And part of your defense against the enemy is going to be speaking your faith, speaking the victories and the promises of God, talking about what God has done for you. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. And so when the enemy is getting verbal with you and speaking and chiming in your ear, you need to take a stand and, and begin to declare what the Lord has said. Make your position. Take a stand. Your faith will become clear. The armor of God. The Bible says to seek peace and pursue it. Peace should be your ultimate goal. Around people, around God, around yourself, you should be at peace. And when God covers us with his his peace, there's something that, that draws men and women to us and to the message and the things that we speak. Many times it's because of the peace. Then he moves on, he shifts from clothing to the shield, the shield of faith. We quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So he shifts from clothing to the defensive weapon, the shield, the thing that protects you. The shield of faith. 
And many times we think of these little shields that look like a trash can lid portrayed in movies all over the place that we see. The word shield in Greek also comes from a word that translated door. Door. Not just a shield, but a door. And some of the shields that these Roman guards, these Roman soldiers used were actually as big as a door. They were huge. They covered their whole body. See, that's it. When when your enemy comes in and you got to protect yourself and God wants to protect you, many times he'll open up a door for you. And it'll protect you. Praise God. Imagine an iron frame with a thick leather stretched over it. Or an iron frame with metal stretched over it. These soldiers could kneel down behind their shield and be completely protected in the front. Many times they would soak their shields in water because they'd have flaming arrows shot at them. And so they would soak these shields in water so when the arrow that was on fire would hit it, it would be put out. Wasn't it funny how God says, put on the shield of faith to quench and extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one? See, there's, there's a shield of God that's made up of the water of his word. There's a shield that's in God that's made up of the water of his spirit. And when those fiery darts and those trials and those circumstances come at you. It feels like just somebody pointing the finger at you. Not shooting the finger at you, but pointing the finger at you. You know, it's it's like an accusation. God says that faith, that, that trust in God will break apart. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be condemned. Every weapon will not prosper. Okay, we're going to move on. Faith is taking God of his word. And the enemy's going to lie to you. He's going to lie about God's love, his faithfulness, his concern for us. That's how these arrows come, is lies from the enemy. Lies out of people's mouths. Praise God. I think we're going to stop there. Realize as a Christian, you're never going to be told you don't have to ever face demonic opposition anymore. But God says, no, get tough. Put on the spiritual armor. Fight the good fight. And win battles in the name of the Lord. Praise God. Well, if you're just tuning in, this is for International Radio. I think we're going to shift gears for a minute. We're talking about the shield of faith now, the armor of God. 
the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. So let's pray. We'll get back into this a little bit later or tomorrow. But let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for all your weapons, all your armor, all your spiritual defense that you've provided for your children. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that we can call unto you and you'll answer us. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we just ask, Lord, your blessings upon every man, every woman tonight, Lord, that you would clothe them in your armor, clothe them with the shield of faith, clothe them, Lord God, with your righteousness and your truth and your peace. That, Lord, it would truly quench and extinguish all the fiery darts, all the railing accusations, all the opposition, all the words, everything that's come at them, even the thoughts, Father, we ask, Lord God, that you would build your character of truth, of righteousness, of peace inside your people. Praise God. Thank you, Father. We just give you praise. That's your blessing on everybody in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to get into the sword of the Spirit later. It's going to take a little time to get into you. Talking about the sword of the Spirit. Very quickly, he says, look, take up the shield of faith and take up the sword of the Spirit. Praying always with prayer and supplication. Your offensive weapons, your fighting weapons are your sword and your prayer. You're praying in your natural language and praying in your spiritual language. And he gets into that. Part of it, being tenacious, being persistent. And these are more character traits as well as things that God has asked us to do. So on our next show, we're going to get back into the armor of God or the armor of light. So right now we're going to put it on pause. So listen, if you're just tuning in or you've been tuned in for a while, this is Prayer International Radio. Reach us at the website at www.prayer.com international.org If you need to email us prayer request or at prayer at prayerinternational.org So listen, we're going to sign off for the night And you have a wonderful night, and we'll be back same time, same place tomorrow or throughout the weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.